0: mindfulness mode
1: as we start to melt away the influence and the impression of the ego then what reveals and remains is just this beautiful silent witness
0: hey mindful tribe we're today talking about enlightenment and what that means to you we're here with the founder of the stillness project which is a global movement inspiring one billion people to meditate daily. Now, my guest is a repeat guest. I I had him on the show back in 2021 in April. My guest is Tom Cronin. and I'm so excited to have Tom back here because our show back then was called How Meditation Can Save the World. And you know, I totally believe in that. That was episode 653. So you can find that at mindfulnessmode.com slash 653. Uh, Tom has a book called the portal you might remember about the book He has a documentary we'll be talking all about this today hey Tom welcome to the show are you in mindfulness mode today again absolutely always in mindfulness mode fantastic so Tom last time when you got on the on the show I asked you what does mindfulness mean to you but today I want to ask you what does enlightenment mean to you If we break down the word, en is of, in French, and light, uh, obviously,
1: being of light. And so I think enlightenment is this radiance and luminosity that emanates outward from within. And within that lightness of being comes wisdom, comes infinite love, comes tenderness and kindness. And I think what we find with people who we might assume or know of the fact that they're in an enlightened state, they seem to have those types of qualities about them they have remarkable knowledge uh, they have remarkable loving tenderness and kindness coming out of them uh, they have lots of wisdom and there's sort of lightness you, know, you can tell when someone's got this sort of dark cloud over their head or they're carrying a lot of heavy baggage people talk about there's something very clear and light about them and i think it's an actual embodiment which is really important that we start to explore more and more the embodiment of spirituality the embodiment of enlightenment uh, and not treated as just purely a spiritual experience or a psychological experience, but making sure that it's a full embodiment experience.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I know that you've produced the film The Portal, and I want to talk to you about the success of that. Of course, you have the book called The Portal. Tell me about how The Portal, the film, has been received. It's really
1: interesting when you make something like this that you want to um, reach the masses and you want it to obviously be a point of difference in a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of films, a lot of TV shows, a lot of TikToks and YouTubes. Yeah. So it's very hard to penetrate through that field of noise. And so um, we have had phenomenal Reviews from some people, I'd uh, say 70% of the people, 80% of the people just love the film, like really resonate with it, really are touched by it. Then you have about 20%, or well, probably 15%, kind of like, you know, it didn't really hit the mark um, or, or missed the mark. You know, it was like, you know, they watched it and they, they got something out of it. And then you have 5% that really kind of struggled with it. It was just, you know, it's quite a different style of filmmaking. Um, it uh, doesn't really have a traditional path or an arc that you would normally have in a film. And so for some people, particularly the traditionalists and the you know professional filmmakers, they're the ones that probably struggle with it the most because it doesn't really borrow that usual filmmaking style.
0: Right, yeah. Well, I uh, really enjoyed interviewing you last time a couple of years ago. Tell me what's happened in your life since that time. Yeah, it's been quite a journey.
1: Obviously, the last few years, we've had some significant changes on the planet. Um, big part of what I'm focusing on these days is mentoring and coaching conscious leaders. So that's yoga teachers, meditation teachers, training people to become meditation teachers. I really feel and what I see in the world is a this remarkable, um, still to this day, um, ex- exorbitant amount of, of, of ignorance, you know, not in a rude disparaging way, just that we have a spiritual nature we have access to these remarkable qualities within us but we've got more and more on the planet uh, what i call a distraction disease i know we had a pandemic which is a, a different type of disease or viral sort of um thing that went around the world. but what we what our biggest problem is isn't that our biggest problem is that we have a major distraction disease and tick tock instagram facebook busyness of life um, self-medication medication all of that is really distraction from what's inherently. the the work that we've got to do and and the reason why we're here. And so I'm very inspired to train conscious leaders, particularly Vedic meditation teachers, to go out in the world and help people to be less distracted and to start that inward inquiry into the essence of, of who we are and what we're here for.
0: Right. Tom, I know in the past you've done retreats. Now that uh, COVID is kind of lessening with its, its uh, emphasis, do you uh, plan to do any retreats in the upcoming months or years?
1: Yeah, we've got a couple of big retreats happening this year. We've got one in Greece in September, which is a more sort of intimate, smaller type experience. And then we've got a large, what we're starting to do, and I had this cognition during COVID, actually we ran one or two retreats during the COVID time in between some lockdowns and they were really well received we had some big numbers coming into those retreats so i started to explore what does it look like if i was to scale the retreat model and start to look at what is it what is it like to have you know more than 20 or 30 people on a retreat but what is it like if we have 100 500 eventually thousands of people coming into large-scale auditoriums to have this multiplying effect what we find when we run retreats there's a very powerful multiplying effect when we've got groups of people doing meditation yoga breath work and workshops together and so we've got one this year called Our it's our sort of test run of what it's like to just take it to the next level which is 100 people and so that's happening in June this year on the Sunshine Coast in Australia uh, and so that's kind of like our testing ground for what 24 and 25 looks like in the years ahead
0: well Tom I know that your website is uh, tomcronin.com t-o-m-c-r-o-n-i-n Dot com is that where we can find information about these retreats
1: yeah absolutely everything's going to be there on the website you've got to find it by just having a poke around it's, um it's all there
0: Right. Yeah. That's what I figured. I want to talk to you about, um, the global shift that's happening. What are your, your thoughts about this current planetary shift that's going on? And I mean, some of my listeners may have no idea what we're talking about, but can you just, uh, fill us in as to your thoughts about this? Mm. Yeah, we have an interesting time on the
1: planet and we have a shift that we haven't quite determined which way it's going to go yet. Uh, what we have is, and I did a talk the other day at Harvard business school, And I asked the audience in that keynote who here feels that the world is getting worse and about 50% put their hand up. I said to who here feels the world is getting better and of course the other 50% put their hand up. I said, what that indicates is that we have um, what seems to be the world getting worse and better at the same time, which leads to, as Daniel Schmachtenberger said in our film, a phase shift. Now, the phase shift is there's a definitive shift going to take place and it can be better or it can be worse. It hasn't actually been made clear which way that's going to go yet. We can definitely see A self-termination of our entire species on the horizon and that could be a number of different methods through nuclear it could be through ai It could be environmental we also see phenomenal progress in the movement towards the awakening of the planet like we've never seen before you know 100 million people using the calm app which is you know daily meditations we've got um us having this podcast or interview today where i'm in sydney at 7am and you're in um you know canada so we've got this incredible Ability to move information around the world, which we've never seen before. And, and that, that ability to share insights and knowledge and tips and tools and strategies to move humanity forward in the evolutionary process, which is the path we're meant to be on. All of the world's suffering is resistance to the natural pr- progression and evolution of our own species. And when we start to open up that path and be more progressive, we find that we have less turmoil, less chaos, less suffering in our life. And that's because we're more in line with that natural flow. So the big shift I see personally is I see the exponential level of progress in the awakening of the planet happening at faster and faster rates. I see the world very quickly starting to embrace and embody things like your plant medicines, your meditations, your mindfulness programs, your breathwork, your yoga. We've seen it just in the last five years start to really, really take off. And I see the next ten to twenty years they're becoming very mainstream.
0: Right. Right. Do you have comments on the change of feminine and masculine energy going on on the planet?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been, I've been looking at that for quite a long time. Uh, I did a blog on it about 10 years ago, interestingly. Uh, and it was about that we've had a very patriarchal masculine oriented energy on the planet for around 10,000 years, which is very object driven. And the masculine energy is very linear and object driven. They said, I must get that kangaroo or else i'm going to starve and i don't care if i have to go over you know stony rocks and through thorny bushes i will just keep going and keep going and keep going until i get my goal and mm-hmm. it's oblivious to the actual journey because the journey becomes inconsequential all it can see is the goal now that masculine energy and force um can be extremely detrimental to civilizations to the planet to uh communities to you know um, plants and animals and so um it's also part of the process that we need and we what we just don't have enough of which we're starting to see more of is more of an increase in the feminine energy there's a feminine rising on the planet and with that we have much more process orientation and we see much more human uh much more integration much more collaboration if you think about the the uh the lone hunter will go out on its own to find that wild boar, whereas the uh the feminine will be uh in in groups collaborating congregating and collecting um the you know, looking after the family and collecting the beetle nuts and stuff so that was a very tribal day now what we're seeing is this integration of the masculine and the feminine in a much more balanced way so we're going to see a lot more female leaders a lot more females in positions of power we're going to see a lot more feminine energy rising on the planet which i think is very healthy it's just a matter of finding our way through this it's very confusing for us now males don't know who's who and females don't know who's who and we don't know who's doing what so Certain roles um, which we've had traditionally are starting to get a little bit more confusing but all of this is still progress and we actually do need without doubt a lot more feminine energy on the planet to have a lot more of a um, harmonious existence and an integrated existence on the planet and that's something that we should be embracing.
0: Right. Last time, Tom, we talked about your project, The Stillness Project, which is a global movement inspiring one billion people to meditate daily. So since we talked last time, how is that progressing? Yeah, it's really interesting. I used to have a very
1: strong um, drive coming back to my masculine. You know, I was a trader on a trading loop for 26 years, and I had a lot of masculine energy for that long period of time, which was all about goals and objectives and, and winning and, and conquering and... Um, and, and that kind of carried over when I started out in my meditation business. You know, I had this goal. Was can I save the world? Can I you know, fix all the problems? And can I um, stop people suffering? And you know, how many people can I get meditating? And it was actually on a retreat. I was uh, on a retreat only not long ago, uh, maybe a year, a year and a bit ago. And I had this big realization on the retreat. And it was actually, uh, I burst into tears when I had the realization. It was a huge epiphany and a huge relief and release, that I'd been carrying that responsibility and that burden like a cross on my back for a long time. And it was actually driving me in a way that I didn't want to be driven. And people had asked me things like, you know, do you want to get a counter on your website? How are you measuring this? What's your your quantification process for this? And it just became this really heavy sort of construct. And i had been doing a lot of work on spirituality, on enlightenment, and on non-duality and surrendering the attachments of the ego, ego identity. And it was this big realization, it's like, it's not my responsibility, it's not my obligation, my my primary purpose for my incarnation here on this planet is to realize my truth, the truth, not my truth, the truth, it's not a subjective truth, the truth, the the non-subjective, fundamental, absolute truth of all reality. Um, and so that interesting was an interesting shift because then I let go of the constructs and the objectives and the goals and the need to conquer something or achieve something and strangely what happened was when I became more just in presence and being and just following the heart uh, my inquiries for teaching meditation went through the roof and I started to teach and inspire more people I believe since that time of letting go of the need to have to get to a billion people um, and just do what is coming from my heart, feel, do what I feel tuned to do and being more in a space um, rather than attached to the goals of the, or the outcomes.
0: Right. Yeah, that's really interesting that that, that that has come to you and that you've transitioned this way. So uh, I want to ask you about your personal meditation experience in your life from day to day. What does it look like?
1: Primarily most of the time I have a very structured meditation which is my yang again Um, and that's 20 minutes morning and evening I do Vedic meditation or transcendental meditation as some might call it, Mm -hmm. very similar style um, where we use a mantra and it's what we call a bija mantra B-I-J-A and a bija mantra is a, a mantra for transcendence and there's a really big discussion going on at the moment around spiritual bypassing and a lot of negativity towards it, understandably so because some people can do spiritual bypassing, go into the realm of spirit, the unbounded, the, you know, the formless, but then um, have complete disregard for what's left, which is the physical form, the mental form, the emotional form. So spiritual bypassing, I think, plays a role, and that's the transcendent experience. We need to go into the unbounded, which my students do pretty much in the first weekend of learning meditation with me, and that's what I do as a Vedic transcending style meditation. And why it's so important is because it gives us the stability the knowingness of this unbounded state of non change. It's like a tree that now has a root base when the storms and tempers come. So, if you're going through some embodiment process and you're going through some emotional releasing, the beautiful thing about having done some transcending is that you go, okay, I'm watching myself having this emotional releasing, and you still need to come back and do the body work. You still need to come back and really embody enlightenment. And that's your breath work, your saunas, your healings, whatever it is that you're doing and watching as you're doing your releasing, watching as you're doing your emotional experiences um, and being okay with that. And the reason why you're okay with that is because you're not just the emotion and a lot of people without the transcendent experience, when they have an emotional experience, whether it's releasing on the output or experiencing on the input, it becomes extremely uncomfortable, unstable. And this instability of our emotional fluctuations is something that we can have greater solace through whilst we have some degree of connection to source or God or the divine or the unbounded or our higher self, whatever you want to call that, which we experience in the transcendent experience. So I do twice a day meditation, which is my Vedic transcending meditation. And then throughout the day, I'm, it's basically mindfulness awareness. So that's being aware whilst I'm talking, being aware, whilst uh, the sun is rising and I'm having a relationship with the sun, being aware while the wind's brushing my cheek, being aware while I'm eating food or driving
0: my car. Right. Tom, I know that you're passionate about reducing stress and chaos in people's lives. And you mentioned earlier about plant medicines. What are your thoughts about microdosing and plant medicines? Are these part of your life? Could you share with us your thoughts? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So in Australia, they're
1: still illegal. Uh, and so interestingly they still have class A drug status which is interesting that they put them up there with heroin and cocaine when um, from what I believe they have got a very big role to play in the supporting our human experience to another level. I don't use them myself personally. They haven't called me. Uh, I, it's just a personal experience. I, I had done a lot of drugs um, that some had some very negative effects on me when I was younger in my party days. And um, from what I'd heard from some of the plant medicines, you know, hallucinations and things like that were part of the journey. And I kind of been through that. I know it was a very different environment, but I just didn't feel a calling to go back to that. I've spent 27 years now meditating and experiencing certain states. I did ask a plant medicine sort of shaman about it. You know, why, why haven't I felt that call? Because it's all around me. All my friends are doing it. Uh, it's in our community. Uh, I hear amazing things about it. And she just said, look, it's probably not something you need. You know, you might have already done what the plants are going to offer through the 27 years of you doing daily meditation, many retreats and many much spiritual exploration. And so maybe that's why it is for me. But it does sound like from what I'm hearing that there's they can play a very powerful and significant role. And I don't think it's an accident that we're seeing these ancient modalities, whether it's breathwork, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, medicine all emerging out of very uh, sort of renunciant or um, you know hidden sort of tribal cultures that are now integrating into the world I think it's there's a reason for them to be integrating and we should be looking at why they're integrating and, and I think it's a good thing
0: Right. Yes. Well, I know you do or have done in the past, a lot of speaking and of course your retreats and you're an author, you've written five books. What's your sweet spot? What do you enjoy doing most during your day?
1: Yeah, what a good question. Um, It is a beautiful blend, as you say, of speaking retreats, coaching and teaching meditation. I would suggest that, and it took me a while to get clear on this. You know, I had online programs, I was making the film, we were creating apps, and it took me a big realization to 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 work out what's true for me and what, what I love and do what I love. For a long time, I was doing what kind of advisors and mentors had told me I should do, you should scale your business and have an online program, you should do this and do that. And some of it was my own egoic desires as well, you know, let's get big and let's make a big film. And um, But when I got clear on what I'm good at and what I love doing, I just simplified my business model and went, okay, let's just do the things that you love and that you're good at. And I'm good at running retreats just because the surveys that people give us after the retreats always come back with 10 out of 10. And I'm good at teaching meditation because the feedback every time I teach meditation is mind blowing for people. And I really enjoy teaching meditation because I see such an instantaneous effect in someone's life when they start doing that meditation technique. Um, So teaching meditation, running retreats and speaking are probably my, and, and mentoring. I love mentoring people um, to help them solve problems and progress forward in their lives. So those four things, speaking, coaching, teaching, meditation, and running retreats.
0: Well, speaking of retreats, I'd just like you to kind of outline for us, like maybe someone's listening who's never been to a retreat of this type. Tell us what they would expect about the length of time, what they would expect on a day-to-day basis, and just give us a bit of an outline.
1: Yeah, our retreats are very different from what some other retreats might be like. Um, we have between i do a one day retreat here in sydney we do four day retreats uh, and we do seven day retreats so our retreat retreats actually an eight day retreat that's a long one and usually there's a kind of same pattern and same template it's just either longer or shorter as far as how many days but it's a very similar sort of pattern and we build it around a four limb sequence called rounding and a round is about an hour long and it has about 20 minutes roughly of 10 yoga poses now those yoga poses play a critical part because it's about recognizing that the stresses are trapped in the body. We do a lot of neck twists, spinal twists, forward bends, back bends, side twists, ankle openers, knee openers, hip openers, because we find that a lot of these stresses are energetically trapped in those joints and in those areas. Now the the yoga poses are 10 specific yoga poses as a prelude to meditation and sitting. So we do the yoga poses uh, for roughly 20 minutes. Then we do breath work which is a pranayama experience which is an alternate breathing between the nostrils left and right then we do 20 minutes of a vedic meditation or transcendental meditation sitting in a chair and then we lie down in shavasana for 10 minutes and so this will be one round which takes about an hour and then we'll do multiple rounds in the morning and then we'll take a bit of a break i'll check in where everyone's at what we find with the rounding is a lot of emotional releasing it's a very powerful process for clearing low frequencies and low energies that are trapped in the body. And enlightenment of light is merely the absence of the dark energy that's still left in the body. Sadness, shame, guilt, fear, anger. So on retreats, we see a lot of that start to extract out of the body and it can be quite uncomfortable. And then we do some workshops. We have a lunch break. We do some workshops and there'll be a number of different workshops as we move people through the retreat to help correct their intellect and help facilitate this releasing process. And then we'll do more rounding in the afternoon. Uh, a few more rounds before dinner and then we'll take dinner and then we'll have satsang in the evening which is a a gentle talk before bedtime and that plays a part of a physiological and mental and emotional clearing throughout the retreat process it's very dynamic um it's uh it's a bit of a process and it can be a bit challenging but at the end of the retreat people feel remarkably lighter and clearer
0: Last time we talked about your book, The Portal, How Meditation Can Save the World. Are you working on another book at this point? Have you got thoughts about uh, maybe putting together another book?
1: You know, we think about uh, what we just said before about, you know, what, I, what do I like doing? And I really didn't enjoy the book writing process. It's funny, you know, when I was at, uh, at university, well, I was about to go to university to become a journalist and be a writer. Um, but writing a book is a really long process. A lot of time goes into it, a lot of energy. And you're just sitting at a computer all day long and then you're working with editors and then you've got to try and sell it. It's just To be honest with you, I didn't enjoy the book writing process. So I'm just yeah. sticking with the things that I love, things that are immediate. Uh, it's a long time before you see the outcome. Not to say we shouldn't write books. I love books and I read books all the time. It's just for me personally, um, it's not probably where my my best use of my time will be allocated at this stage.
0: That makes sense. So you read books all the time. Is Are there a maybe a couple of books you could recommend that you've read in the last couple of months? Um, There's
1: some books, the books that I'm reading are probably not relevant for most of the community. You know, things like uh, a book by Richard Sylvester called, I hope you die soon. And maybe it is relevant for your community. I shouldn't assume that, sorry, I'm going to retract that because I shouldn't assume who's in the audience. Um, There's a book by Richard Sylvester called, I hope you die soon, which is about the death of the ego. Um, Beautiful title. Uh, confronting mm-hmm. title, and um, that's a very advanced book for non-duality and people exploring non-dualism. Um, another great book by Ajashanti, The End of Your World, which, of course, is talking about the end of your ego as well. Very profound books. But I think one of the books, I haven't read it recently, but it's probably one of my most profound books that I've ever read, and I, I, I want it to get into the hands of everyone on the planet because it's such a significant book. And it's very hard to find. It didn't get a lot of airplay. It didn't get a lot of publicity. Um, you know, Eckhart Tolle's *Power of Now* obviously did, which is a phenomenal book. But this book called *Emmanuel's Book*. *Emmanuel's Book* by Pat Rodgast. Now, Pat Rodgast channeled it, and Emmanuel was the where the message came from. Emmanuel being an ascended being, and I think it's one of the most simplified insights into why we're here as a human being and uh, and the path to take as a human being.
0: Well, I'll have to check that out. I haven't, uh, I haven't read it, and I haven't really heard about it. And it's called Emmanuel's book. Is that That's what you said? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put it in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So, I really want to thank you for being on the show again, Tom. It's just great to catch up and talk to you. Do you have any final words of advice for our listeners before we wrap it up?
1: We have uncertain times, and I think we're going to see even more uncertain times, there's a few things on the horizon that are looking fairly precarious, uh, potentially uh, a major financial challenge with even just last night seeing a number of different banks in freefall. I think we could see a major financial crisis happening, potentially, not to scare, scare people. Um, I think we could potentially see major conflict on the horizon between a few countries. Um, there's many things that are going to challenge humanity as we move forward and within all of the uncertainties we have our own micro lives which is you know relationships and our own individual financial situations all sorts of things what's really important i think for us to go forward and move and navigate through these complexities is to find solace in the silence of being and there's a beautiful sanskrit word called Tatiksha, t-i-t I-K-S-H-A, Titiksha. And Titiksha means to be unruffled by the circumstances of life. Now, it's really important when we talk about being unruffled by the circumstances of life. It doesn't mean to pretend that you're not being affected. It means that I'm in a particular state of conscious awareness that is the divine observing this moment that is not affected. It can't that circumstance or situation can't get its, its claws into the divine because there's nothing to get its claws into. It can get its claws into the ego and the ego can react. The ego then has an emotional reaction. This is good or this is bad. But as we start to melt away the influence and the impression of the ego, then what reveals and remains is just this beautiful silent witness. We call it Sakshi Kutashta, the silent witness that is just here observing and it's unaffected, unimpeded. Um, and unimpressed that is in, it's not impressed it's just unaffected by circumstances of life there's no impression left on it so right. i think for us to have a daily practice of meditation ideally morning and evening to help us find stability and solace and to teach you through these uncertain times is really important
0: well i really appreciate your wisdom really appreciate what you're doing in the world and i want to thank you once again for being on mindfulness mode today tom great to
1: be here thanks for inviting me back and thanks for listening in everyone it's great to share space with you all
0: yeah all the best to you bye now bye now hey mindful tribe thanks for listening to this episode with tom i hope you enjoyed learning more about enlightenment and what his viewpoints are on this subject i really enjoyed interviewing tom i'm also enjoying right now skiing in new york state so i'm really really feeling absolutely mindful because i find downhill skiing is such a mindful activity and i love 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 doing it and so just spur of the moment, I decided to come here and wow, the conditions are just absolutely perfect. So I'm recording this from my room here. Hey, by the way, check out my YouTube channel. You can get to it by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash TV, or you can go to YouTube and type in Mindfulness Mode Podcast. If you uh, go there and you subscribe, that would be so appreciated. And if you like videos, leave comments, all of that kind of thing, of course, i appreciate very much i'm really interested in your feedback do you like the really short clips do you like it when i publish the full episode or would you like you know maybe just five minute clips just let me know what you'd like and we'll make it happen okay take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode